Principal Matters Podcast, episode 296. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about the post that I didn't want to write. I don't know about you, but this past month has, it's been an emotional one. And I first just want to start with a story that isn't emotional, just a nice memory. A couple of mornings ago, I was sitting on my back porch, sipping coffee, and I could hear the pat pattering of a woodpecker in the cottonwood tree in the corner of our yard. Three squirrels were scampering along the back fence, chasing each other with furtive jumps from fence to tree limbs. There was a cardinal hidden behind leaves that was singing out his morning song with sharp trills. And my neighbor's magnolia tree was blooming for the first time in the spring, these large white petals across glassy green leaves. And I could just feel spring, reminded that new mercies are ours to receive every morning. And those small comforts felt good at the end of a difficult week and the end of a difficult month. I know a lot of you have had a difficult last few weeks, especially those of you that are wrapping up schools. But this past week, I attended two funerals in the area where I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, both for friends who had lost family members separately, both who were very young. And as I watched community members gathering together to comfort and to remember the precious lives of friends lost. I was once again reminded of my own humanity, the short time that each of us has. At one of the funerals, a family member reminded the attendees to take the word later out of their vocabulary. It was a good reminder Who is that person you've been meaning to call? What is that place you've always wanted to visit? What is a goal that you've delayed pursuing? Don't wait till later. And of course, just like you, uh, this past week, we've all been hearing the news from Uvalde, Texas. One of my dear friends, Dr. Jeff Springer, who's been a guest on this podcast several times, talked to me over the weekend, and Jeff had the privilege of providing professional development to teachers and admins in Uvalde this past school year. And like so many others close to that situation, his grief carried with it a lot of other memories, good memories of good people. Just a few days ago, one of my former students called. It was actually on the day of the shootings, May 24th. I've known this student since 1993, my very first year of teaching, and she keeps up, she keeps in touch. If she's listening, thank you, because she does also listen to my podcast. And she wanted to know if I had ever talked about school shootings on this show. And I told her no. I've talked a lot about how to manage grief, about some of the the things that I've experienced personally in school leadership, but I've never been that leader. Uh, the next morning, my oldest daughter, who's a, regent, a, a recent college graduate, called me while I was at work, and and she was in tears. And 
she just kept saying over and over again, Dad, they were just babies. And later in that week, I was on a Zoom call with education leaders from across the country working with our National Principals Association, and one of the veteran leaders explained how he had sat in his living room the night before and wept as he saw the faces of those children from Robb Elementary School. And I'm guessing that many of you listening to me talk right now have been feeling grief. Maybe you've wept yourself over these last week's tragedies, but my guess is for those of you who are in school leadership, you have wept over many difficult moments in your years of serving schools. On Friday, the National Association of Secondary Principals shared a post from the Principal Recovery Network, and I'll link to it here in the show notes. But this group was formed in 2019 for principals who have survived school shootings. 22 principals representing 15 states formed this group. And they wrote an open letter to Congress that was published in the Washington Post over the weekend. And I'm going to read it. It's very short, but it just simply read as follows. Quote, We are members of a club that no one wants to join, yet our membership keeps growing. We are the Principal Recovery Network, a group of school leaders who have lived through shootings at each of our schools. We constantly relive one of the worst days of our lives because we have taken it upon ourselves to reach out to principals who have experienced a shooting at their schools and help them navigate a path we all, unfortunately, have been down. The tragedy at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas, was the 27th shooting school shooting this year and one of hundreds since the massacre at Columbine High School 23 years ago. These horrific acts have compelled us to speak out. They compel us to act. I continue their their letter here. To every elected leader at every level of government, you have a duty to do everything it takes to prevent our kids and educators from being murdered in school. Time and time again, we have come to you to prevent future shootings. If you don't act now, this will happen again. We beg you, do something. Do anything. This is a bipartisan issue. Protect our students. Protect our educators. Protect our schools. Violence extends well beyond our campuses. We ask you to act and do the right thing. Protect our communities. End quote. And out of respect for each of their experiences, I want to read the names of these principals in this network. Michael Bennett, the former assistant principal of Columbia High School, East Greenbush, New York. Elizabeth Brown, principal of Forest High School, Ocala, Florida. Frank DeAngelis, former principal at Columbia High School in Littleton, Colorado. Lauren Ford, former principal at Proctor R. Hug High School in Reno, Nevada. Andy Fetchick, the former principal of Chardon High School in Chardon, Ohio. Denise Fredericks, the principal of Townville Elementary School, Townville, South Carolina. Kathleen Gombos, principal of Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. Patricia Greer, former principal of Marshall County High School in Benton, Kentucky. Warman Hall, the former principal of Aztec High School in Aztec, New Mexico. Jake Heibel, the principal of Great Mills High School in Great Mills, Maryland. Matthew Hicks, former assistant principal of Noblesville West Middle School in Noblesville, Indiana. Greg Johnson, the principal of West Liberty Salem High School in West Liberty, Ohio. Michelle Kefford, the principal of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. 
Andy McGill, the assistant principal of West Liberty Salem High School in West Liberty, Ohio. Kevin Lean, the former principal of Harrisburg High School in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Jeff Meisenheimer, the principal of Lee's Summit North High School in Lee Summit, Missouri. George Roberts, former principal of Perry Hall High School in Baltimore, Maryland. Ryan Rollinger, the principal of Harrisburg High School in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Michael Sedlick, former assistant principal of Chardon High School in Chardon, Ohio. Ty Thompson, the former principal of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. And Stacy Ting, the principal of Sparks Middle School, Sparks, Nevada. I want to thank each of them, first of all, for their bravery in representing their school communities, but also for the representation of just school leaders in general. I'm going to link to their post on NASSP's website, and there is also a link there. If you want to send that message on to your elected officials, you can do that right there at nassp.org slash act now. When I talk to former students and my own children and my education colleagues, especially when tragedies like this happen, we seem to have the same conversations every time. We grieve the state of any human who can be driven to such heinous crime, We question why schools are so often the target of such violence in the U.S. We question and wonder why an 18-year-old could so easily purchase an assault-style weapon and hundreds of rounds of ammunition without question. I also have a daughter who's studying abroad this year. Actually, she's a full-time student in Wales in the U.K. And her time there has given me pause especially as I've been learning more about their systems and policies compared to the ones that we have here in the U.S. And I did a little research this past week on U.K. schools. In a case you're not aware, the last mass shooting at a school in the U.K. was in 1996 in Dunblane, Scotland. And that event prompted stricter gun control laws, and the U.K. has experienced zero school shootings since 1996. And yes, I fact-checked the research. Zero school shootings in the UK since 1996. Now, they have had one mass shooting in the UK. It was in Cumbria in 2010, but it was not a school. And I'll link to that research if you want to see it in the show notes. I spend a lot of time talking to people like you, school leaders, It's my full-time work. It's the work that I do through this podcast. And I consistently observe something amazing about you. No matter your political affiliation, no matter the size of your school, no matter whether you are urban or suburban or rural, you share this in common. You care about kids. You believe in in common sense solutions for caring for your school community. You are the one most responsible for ensuring their safety every day they're in your building. And you're also the one who has to pick up the pieces after a tragedy. I'm so grateful that there are not more names on that principal recovery network because this is a group that none of those members ever wanted to belong to. But I'm so proud of men and women like them. I'm proud of colleagues like you in schools right now across the U.S. and across the world who who show up every single day to keep caring for school communities. And with that in mind, 
I can I can only share the ideas from the times that I've had to help manage grief in my school communities. Just like so many of you, I've been in this work long enough that I've lost students to illnesses, to car accidents, to suicide, to murder. And each tragedy created a different journey, a different response. And, I, and I've written about this and shared about it in other posts. In fact, I'll link to a post that I wrote in 2013 about ways that school leaders can help their school community manage grief. Um, I'll mention a few of those suggestions right now just to point you toward that post. But things that I always try to remind leaders of in these moments is, first of all, communicate what you can because people need to hear from you in moments of grief because the school, you speak for your school. So take time in moments of grief to compose your ideas and thoughts. And many of you I know do this consistently, but you're the voice of your school. So make sure that people are hearing from you directly. Two, be present and visible. There's just something that's healing and wonderful about your presence. Whether you like it or not, people see you and they feel better knowing that you represent the school and that when you're here, um, I know things are, are better. They're okay. Three, um, encourage stability as much as you possibly can. For those of you that are wrapping up a school year, jumping back in routine and stability is a good thing because kids thrive on stability. Four, recognize and allow creative and spontaneous responses during times of grief because sometimes people need to do creative things or maybe make t-shirts or maybe make signs or maybe create some kind of monument, whatever it is. Five, ask for help outside your school. There are so many experts, so many folks who can provide counseling and trauma care uh, probably within your community, but if not, then reach out to a local university, to your churches, to your local community services for uh, students, and bring outside help in. Uh, Six, focus on enjoying and appreciating kids because all of the kids in your building who are still doing great and wonderful things, they still need to be able to achieve those wonderful moments and be celebrated when they do. They still deserve those moments to celebrate and be kids. Number seven, when necessary, be prepared for media contact because sometimes school leaders are reached out to by media during difficult times when things are happening in schools. So sometimes it's good to have something prepared in advance, especially if you're in a community where where grief is being experienced. And then finally, last but not least, number eight, allow yourself time to grieve. It's hard when you're collectively wrapping your arms around other people to grieve yourself, but you're going to need some time at some point to just be alone and to sit with your own grief or to be with someone you love and trust and let them sit with you in it. The Principal Recovery Network has several resources on its website that educators can use, and I'll post it here in the show notes as well, but you can go to nassp.org slash act now and scroll down the page and they have several resources. Uh, but but I want to end this conversation uh, with a story. And I'm sorry if this post this week has been a downer, but it's like I said at the beginning, this is the post I didn't want to write. But as I'm having these conversations, I felt like there may be someone who listens to this show that would benefit from these thoughts. When I was a, a boy, my oldest brother Harvey found a guitar that had been gifted to another family member who had never used it. And he took this little guitar and he, and he began to tune it, but he tuned it without knowing how. He didn't know which strings were supposed to be which notes. So he tuned it incorrectly. And then he taught himself 
these makeshift chords. In other words, he had to create chords for an untuned guitar so that it actually produced beautiful sounds, and it worked. So my brother began to play the guitar incorrectly by teaching himself chords on an untuned guitar. And several weeks into this newfound joy of his, another friend had heard uh, was at our home and heard Harvey playing, and he brought his guitar over and said, hey, I need to teach you how to really play this guitar. So he taught him how to retune his guitar correctly, taught him how to play chords correctly for the first time, and my brother had relearned chording all over again. It, I was so little, I, I watched this process, and so I listened as he tuned those strings, and I watched as his fingers formed those chords. And And later, when I began to play the piano, my brother and I would often play together. I would play the piano, he would play the guitar, and and even years after that, when I picked up my first guitar, it actually I learned pretty quickly because I had spent so much time watching him play. And I remember being so in love with music that I remember thinking once when I was younger that if I ever had to lose a limb, which I don't know if anyone thinks that's like I do, but I, I think these things, I would prefer like losing a leg to the loss of my hands because of how much I just enjoy playing music. And I hope none of that ever happens. But in 2009, my brother Harvey died of a heart attack. He was only 46 years old. It was sudden. It was unexpected. Uh, it was as tragic as you can imagine. And I'll never forget the morning after his death. I, I was um, close when the event happened. I was alone the next morning. I was at my family home where my mom and dad live. I was an adult too at this time, but I was just sitting at the old piano in my parents' living room, the place where I had learned to play, watching my brother pick his guitar. And I was trying to pick up a melody that morning on the piano as I sat there, but the sounds of the notes, every time I had a note, it as it sounded in my ear, it just reminded me of all the memories and times that we had played music together, the, the long nights of jamming with friends, the the sitting around with family for sing-alongs, the listening to one another, share songs that we had both written. And and that was the moment in, in all of the time that I've grieved his death since then. That was the moment when I cried the most bitterly. And not because I didn't believe or have hope that someday I would see him in eternity or that he hadn't lived a full life, but because my world seems so much lonelier and less spectacular in his absence. And I know I wasn't alone. Everyone in our family felt that loss and that ache, especially those closest to him, his, his wife and his children. I wish I had some words of wisdom to share for those who are in the midst of loss and grief. But instead, I just want to say this to anyone who's listening to my voice right now who's been experiencing grief, and maybe even if you haven't, I want to say to this to you anyway, you are appreciated. You might listen to this show because you're a school leader or an aspiring leader or whatever reason is that you listen to it. And I just want to tell you, especially those of you that um, listen to this show because you want to grow in your school leadership, your sacrifices to help others, those late night games, those endless meetings, those morning bus duties, those cafeteria duties, those playground duties, those countless times that you've locked and unlocked the doors of your school, the patient and sometimes impatient waiting for that last parent to pick up the waiting kid. 
the times that you've grieved having to remove his child from school for discipline. Thank you for being there on the good days, and thank you for being there on the bad ones. You are appreciated because your school community is better because you're there. And for those of you that are starting summer break, I want to give you some hopes. I hope that you will discover small joys in the mundane things of life. I hope that you find joy in the sip of coffee from a favorite mug, the surprise of a new sprouting leaf in your garden, the thrill of a whippoorwill song, the rush of wind in the trees and leaves outside your home, whatever kind of day that you're waking up to, I hope that you find new mercies every day. Now, if you've made it to the end of this week's post, I also want to, I just want to give an ask. A lot of times I will share thoughts and ideas, but could I ask for feedback from you? We are four shows away from the 300th episode of Principal Matters, and I had a friend reach out the other day, actually Dr. Jeff Springer, who said, Will, I have already been writing down a list of my favorite shows that I want to be able to host with you a 300th episode and talk about the things that I've learned from Principal Matters, and I felt so much gratitude to Jeff for that idea. So in the meantime, I want to ask you, um, maybe you have a favorite show. Or maybe you have a favorite memory, or maybe you have something you've learned from this show. Uh, I would love to hear from you if that's the case, whether you're a long-time listener or a short-time listener. And there's a couple of ways you can do this. First of all, you could just email me some ideas at my email address at at williamdparker.com. But the way I would really love to hear from folks is if you just would take out your phone, search for voice memo. If you don't know where yours is, you can put it in the search bar and it'll pop up on your phone. Open a voice memo sit in a quiet place, and just record one minute of your name, the school you serve, and, and something that you've appreciated from these past 300 episodes of Principal Matters, or at least the 300 will be too when I share some of those. And if I hear from a few of you, I'll be glad to include your voices in that upcoming episode. But until next time, I want to thank you for doing the things you don't want to do sometimes, having the conversations you don't want to have sometimes, showing up sometimes when you don't want to, um, or in my case, sometimes writing the things that you don't really want to write but need to be said. So thanks again for doing what matters, and I'll talk to you next week. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.